Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for just being able to bring us all here together, Lord, just to talk about you and study you, Lord. God, we just pray that uh, this morning, Lord, that we would keep our mouths closed and our ears open, Lord, that we would just listen to what Mike has for us this morning, that you would just speak through him and give him the words that you want him to say, Lord, that you would just let your presence fill this room and that we would just be able to give our full attention to him, Lord. We thank you for this morning and the time that we get to spend with you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, good recording. Perfect. Here we go. So today, I want to pick up where Grayson left off on Wednesday night. How many of you guys were here Wednesday night? If you were here Wednesday night, let me see your hands. Perfect. So you guys know we're in Exodus. Somebody quickly, anybody, help me understand the story of the Exodus. What is it all about? Shout it out. Cool. Cooper, go ahead. Thanks for uh, volunteering. The Israelites leading Jesus? That's not it. Okay. <laughs> That's not it. Okay. Who else? Who else? You got something for me. Um, um, this is the Israelites. They're leaving Egypt, right? And there's their main leader. What's their main leader's name? Anybody? Moses. Good job, Wyatt. That's a really good job. And so why is this important? Anybody? Any idea why this is important? This is really awkward. It's Okay. So this is important because this is God's chosen people. He made a covenant back in Genesis with some guy. Do you guys remember the guy? He had a big gray beard. He walked around a long time. His wife couldn't um, have babies until she was 90, 90 years old. Anybody remember this? Abraham. There we go. Nice. Very good. Okay. So this was a promise that God had made to Abraham a long time ago that he would make their kingdom established and they would grow. They would be his people and he'd have as many people as stars in the sky. And so today I want to pick up, like I said, where Grayson left off in Exodus chapter 33. Um, we see that, that they're at the Mount of Sinai at this moment and they are <clears throat> deciding Right now, they, they come to the decision that, hey, God, we're not going to lead this mountain unless you come with us, right? They just talked about this. We just talked about it on Wednesday. We just said, hey, we're not leaving here, God, unless you come with us. We don't want to go to the promised land unless you're there with us. And God was ready to say, hey, you guys go ahead. Just take off, man. We're, we're good, right? Like, go ahead. I, I, I'm done with you right now. I, I, I just want to be uh, go. And these guys said, no, we, you've been with us since this part. And so now today where I want to pick up, all right? A couple weeks ago, I talked to you guys about Exodus chapter 20. Anybody know what's famous about Exodus chapter 20? Anybody? Nobody? The Ten Commandments. Thank you. Thank you for Joey being in the room with me today. Okay. <clears throat> so when you look at the Bible, there's a ton of rules, right? Did you know there's 613 rules in the Bible? 613 rules. Today what I want to do is I want to talk about not those rules, but I want to talk about having the right perspective in life. All right? Think about it just for a minute. Does anybody in here, well, a few of you, have you ever worn sunglasses that are, have smudges all over them? Is that enjoyable? Why not? You ever jumped in the water, your sunglasses get the water spots on them? And it's just water spots, right? But like, it's not enjoyable anymore, right? Like you want to get them off. You want to get them clean, right? Because you want to see the right way, right? When it comes to the right perspective, we have to make sure we're seeing clearly in order to do this. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the part where the people, they get to right outside of the promised land. 
They get to the place where God's promised them this land that that they're going to go, and this is going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be an absolutely amazing land. They just have to go take it. So today, what I want to do is I I want you, if you have a Bible, we're going to come out of the book of Exodus, and we're going to go to um, one that's pretty much right after it, and it picks up in this story right after it. We're going to be in Numbers chapter number 13 and 14 here today. So... With that, though, we're talking about all these commands God gives. He gives them 613 rules to be exact. 248 of those numbers are, 248 of those rules are do's, and 365 of those are do nots. Can you imagine having that many rules put on you when you just came out of the land where you were slaves? I ask the question, why? Why do you think God gave all these rules and commandments for these guys to follow. Shout it out. What do you think? Wyatt, you're a smart guy. You like to break the rules, right? Why do you think God gave them so many rules and everything? <laughs> so, such a middle school answer. That's good. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I love it. Uh, Frank, why do you think God gave them so many rules? Because they were disobedient? Yeah, part of it. Yes, absolutely. We have a special guest in the room today. His name is Pastor, or actually, <clears throat> let me correct this, Dr. Rusty Russell sitting in the back of the room. Pastor, why did God give so many rules to the Israelites? <laughs> so they would break them. So God was trying to establish his people as not a people of this earth, right? He was trying to establish his people as a kingdom of priests. He was trying to get his people to live as a light amongst the darkness. There's this word called pagans, right? Anybody know what a pagan is? People who do really bad things, right? That's what they, that's what they are, okay? That's what pagans are and people who, who just did not live godly lives. And so God was trying to establish these people who were trying to give them rules so that they would know how to love him better and how to love their neighbors better and they finally get to this point where they can see across the promised land is right there it's there for them to take so numbers chapter 13 that's where we're at today happens just after a crazy story of god giving them some quails to eat and there's so much quails around them that um People are eating them and eating them. And it says, actually, as they were eating them, they fall over dead. And these were the people who were complaining a lot. And they were getting the people to complain because God did not play that game. So Numbers 13 says this in verse number 1. It says, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded them. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. So just for a second, guys, just for a second. We've been studying these guys forever, really, right? We did all of Genesis last year. Now this year we've been in Exodus for what seems like forever. And I mean, it really has. It's been since January. You're finally at that moment where you can go across and be in the promised land. How excited do you think these guys are? Really? Like, think about it just for a second. Like, like, like you've seen God split the sea. You've seen God drown the Egyptians. 
You've seen them. Well, not only have you seen them, you've heard them. When you were at Mount Sinai, you, you heard him speaking through the thunder. You're finally at this moment now where this promised land, God has said, hey, I will be with you. I'm going to give you this. This is it. Are you excited or not? Yes? No? There should be some excitement for sure. Okay? There should be something that, that is inside of you that's like, yes, we have finally done it. Okay, for some of the people in the room, if you're an athlete in the room, it's working through that entire season, whatever the sport is that you play, and you finally get to that moment. You're at the state championship. All right? If you've ever made it to the state championship, you know, like, like nerves are just raging, right? Like, there's an excitement, but there's also, like, so much going on right here. That's where these guys are, but they're even a little bit different right now. And so God says, hey, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to send 12 guys over to check out the land. 12 guys to go and explore it. 12 guys to give you a report back. The number 12. Why do you think the number 12 was there? Go ahead and throw that next slide up, Philip. The number 12. You can look at this. This is a cheat sheet if you want to know. It's exactly what's in my notes right now. There's something special about this. What is it? I'll tell you this much. It's not the disciples. Okay? Where have we seen the number 12? Anybody? Sons of Jacob. My man. That's it. Now look up there again. If you look at that, that entire list is the sons of Jacob. That's exactly it. So one from each tribe was selected to go over to see this land. Now, if we did a huge dig into where we're going right now, you would actually see how the land is split up and things like that. But, but we're not going to do that. But this was important because this was God fulfilling what he had said to Abraham, what he had said to Jacob. Here is the beginning of where they're headed. Pick up in verse number 16, okay? It says this. <clears throat> These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea, or Hosha, son of Nun, by the name Joshua. Here's the instructions, okay? Moses gave these men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back some of the samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting first ripe grapes. And so it says they, um, they go up and they start seeing this and they start seeing everything that happens in this time here. And, and it's their job. Hey, Tyler, you're going to stop talking now. Okay. All right. Um, it's their job to, to explore this land, to, to bring back some of the goods, right? Now, when you guys go on vacation, how many guys, like, like we said, we're going to the beach, right? When you go on vacation, how many guys go to the same vacation place like every year? Any of you guys? Cool. So, like, you have your spots, right? 
Like when you go, I, I don't know about you guys, like so when I go to Lynchburg, Virginia, the town I was at before this, we, we have our spots. There's this place called Joe Beans there, and, and it has amazing coffee. And so when Grayson and Cage came down on Wednesday, I had them bring me some Joe Beans so I can get a taste of the land up there, right? Now think about you guys in, in the vacation. What is that, that one spot like, like you have to go when you go there? I don't know if you've um, been to Emerald Isle, for all the Emerald Isle fans in here, one of my favorite places on the island now is, um, it's, it's called Fish Hut Grill. They have amazing fish tacos, okay? Amazing fish tacos. So I highly recommend doing that. And so that's what Moses is telling these guys. He says, hey, listen, when you go over there, bring back some of the goods, okay? Bring back some of the, the, the amazing things that you're finding over in that area, Okay? But we want to know, what's the land like? Are there a lot of people? Are they strong? Are they mighty? Are they weak? What, what is it, right? Picking up in verse number 25, it says this. <clears throat> After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the fruit it produces. This is good stuff, right? Everybody's happy, man. Oh, that's awesome. Look at what's happening here. But, uh-oh. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites, they live in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the valley, or along the Jordan Valley. Uh-oh. Right? Uh-oh. There's some nervousness going on here. So I remember when I was in high school, I'll pick up in verse 30 in just a second. I was in high school, and I was a senior in high school. Um, I was a wrestler. And, man, I loved wrestling. It was great. And I remember going to Anson County High School. Anson County High School, um, I had went there before, and I knew that they had a new kid that I'd be wrestling that year. And so I had some of my teammates spread this rumor that I could bench press 250 pounds. Okay? Now, I don't know if you know anything about bench pressing, but bench pressing 250 pounds in high school, man, that's a lot of weight, right? Um, I had them spread this rumor. And so when I'm walking around, guys, I'm walking around you know, just got my chest poked out. I'm trying to look swole and big, and I'm trying to intimidate this kid. I don't even know why, but it was just a rumor that we, we started. And, and so if, when you wrestle, one of the things you do is um, you come together at the beginning, you put your foot on the line, the whistle blows. Dude, this kid, like, runs away from me, okay? Because he's already that intimidated. This is a mind game. I'm trying to play with this guy already. And, like, I'm serious. Like, when I would try to go and, like, grab him, like, dude, I'm telling you, he would just run. And it's like, what is happening, right? Like, like, I think back on this, but he was already so intimidated because of what he had heard. Now, think about it just for a second. Think about the report that these guys just gave. If you heard this report, what would you think? Dude, God, uh, I don't know about this, right? Like, you brought us here, and now we got to go face giants? we got to go to a place that has huge fortified cities. Listen to this, verse number 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. 
Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land amongst the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. All the people we saw there are huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. That's what they thought. So I got a question for you. Have you ever been in a situation like this when it was too difficult for you to exercise your faith because of what your senses told you? Have you ever been in a situation where, where like, you know God's told you to do something, but your body is telling you something completely different? Your body's saying, don't do this. I'm too scared. There's no way I could share my faith. There's no way I could go and do this. Here's what I want you to do. Take one minute and share with the person to your left or to your right what did that look like in your life, okay? And what happened. Ready, set, you can talk now. Go. All right, sounds like you guys are wrapping up, so perfect. Um, let me share a little bit about me, okay? This is, this is um, kind of crazy. I remember when I um, became a Christian uh, and my youth pastor had told me, hey, go share your faith with people. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this, right? And so, like, I, I understand what you guys are saying sometimes when it says, hey, when I tell you, hey, go share Jesus with people, and you're like, yo, I, I don't get how to do that. And so I can remember um, I, I grew up in, um, not the nicest part of town, and I can remember my best friends and I, man, we just hung out all the time, right? We would just go around and just do whatever we want. We'd play football, we'd jump bikes off ramps and stuff like that. We'd have a good time. And I can remember Travis telling me to go and share my faith, and I can remember the first time, like, trying to do that with this guy named Brandon, and we're sitting out by his mom's car, and I'm like, um, you know, uh, I, I know I should do this, but I don't want to do this. Like, like, I'm scared. Like, what if he thinks I'm weird? What if he doesn't want to be my friend anymore? What if, you know, all these what ifs, right? Because when we start leaning into our, our flesh, when we start leaning into the, the caring about the things of this world, man, like, we don't want to do this, right? And I'm afraid here's what happens is that we know what the right thing to do is, 
But oftentimes, we settle for what is the easy thing to do. And we're going to see that with these guys right here. We're going to see these guys settle in for what is the easy thing to do. So I wrote this down. I said, when the Israelites no longer kept their eyes on the promise of this good land they were about to get, they only saw the unconquerable force between them. They only saw the giants, right? I said, how often do we do the same thing when we're on fire for God and we know he's going to do something big, but a distraction comes and does exactly that? It blinds us from how big God really is. You see, the, these people, they knew they had seen everything. They had just come out of being slaves. But now, they were scared. Picking up in Numbers chapter 14, it says this. Then the whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. This is going to sound familiar. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to the country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? They plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Do you guys remember how many people we said were part of this exodus? We said it was over a million people, right? We said um, there's, there's at least 600,000 fighting men that were a part of this exodus from Egypt. And it says that they were scared. They didn't know what to do, right? So instead of trusting God, instead of trusting Aaron and Moses, the, God, the guys that God had set up before them, here's what they decided. They said, you know what, like, like let's go back to what we know, okay? Let's go back to, to the easy thing we know. Now, Egypt, when, when they left Egypt, let me ask you a question. What was Egypt like when they left? Was it a good place? No, Right? Like, hadn't God, like, destroyed all the crops? Yeah? Hadn't God, um, let's, let's think about it. It wasn't the, like, water. Like, it was, it was blood, right? Like, all the fish died. Not only that, like, like, all of their firstborn sons had died. The Pharaoh, the, the, the army, what happened to them? Dead, Right? So let's go back to this place where we were slaves, where, if we're completely honest, if we think about it just for a second, let's go back to the place where we were nothing, where we just did the work for everybody else. Let's go back to the place where, where, where we were crying about how hard the work was. Let's go back to the place where the people mistreated us, and, and now they're going to mistreat us even worse. You see, I think there was a word that I came up with for this part, Right? It was cowardly, right? They wanted to return to the normal, back to the easy things when things get hard. They wanted to, the, to go back to the to, to easy, right? It wasn't going to be easy anymore. 
God had said, get out of here. He said, follow this guy, right? It wasn't supposed to be this anymore. But here's the thing, like, like when we choose to always go with the easy route, guys, we're choosing cowardly routes. God wants you to do hard things. That's what he's telling these guys. Hey, I got you. I'm with you. Don't be scared. Check it out. The next part. I love this. <clears throat> then Aaron and Moses fell down, face or fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of, I don't even know how to say it, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land they traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Can you imagine for a minute? There's four guys. There's four guys out of a million people who are standing up and saying, guys, we can do this. Guys, God's got this. He's on our side. God has promised us this. Look at how great it is. There's milk. There's honey. It's everything we've ever wanted. So I told you how I kind of study these. I broke it down to, to this word right here. I, I think if there was one thing I think that Joshua and Caleb were trying to get everybody in Israel to say, as they were standing up, as, as they were praying, and as they, as they felt this, it was this. It was, be brave. Be brave. Take that next step. Get out there and do something. Don't be paralyzed in fear. Don't fall back to the normal just because it's easy to do. No, be brave. So you guys know, um, if, if you know me at all, I've got a four-year-old daughter. Her name's Myla, and she's awesome. And so for Myla, um, we've been working on swimming, right? And, and um, we go to the Y and do classes down there now. But before we were going to the Y, we did one class at the Y in Rocky Mount before it opened. And Myla was absolutely terrified of the water. You guys remember being this age? I don't, I don't know if you do. But she was absolutely terrified to, to, to jump into the water. Any water that went over her head was terrifying to her. As we've been working through this, what Myla has discovered is this, is that if I hold my breath, what happens? Most of the time, the water doesn't get up your nose. Most of the time, the water doesn't get in your mouth. Most of the time, she, she, she's figured out now, like, the water's fun, right? Like jumping off the water or jumping off the wall into the water is an absolute blast. And I can remember just standing in the pool saying, just jump to me, baby. Just jump to me. I've got you. I want you to understand this is fun. This is it. But there were moments where she would just be terrified. No, daddy. No. Come on, baby. Jump to me. Come on. I promise you. Daddy's got you. Just trust me. Just jump. Just do this. I got you. No, Daddy. That's where the Israelites are. They're right there. They've gotten to the edge. They can literally see into the promised land. But that fear is stopping them. That fear is holding them back. That fear won't let them be brave. 
Verse number 10. The whole community, community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe in me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done amongst them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you a greater, or make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. God's not happy. He sees them. He, he's not happy with this. He's about done. Verse number 13, but Moses objected. What will the Egyptians think when they hear it? He asked the Lord. They know full well the power that you displayed amongst them, your people, when you rescued them in Egypt. Now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who have already heard that you live amongst your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar by night. Now if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, the Lord was not able to bring them into the land. He swore to give them. So he killed them in the wilderness. Please, Lord. Prove that your power is as great as you claimed. For you have said the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. But he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is afflicted, even children into the third and fourth generations. In keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of the people just as you have forgiven them since they left Egypt. Man, Moses was a man of character. Moses, the crazy thing is this. These people, they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb, right? It means they wanted to kill them. They wanted to be done with them. But Moses, when, when this happens, it says that God shows up and God starts talking to him. And he says, hey, I'm done. No, really, I'm done with these people. Let me make you guys into the nation. It's going to be so much greater than they are. But notice what Moses does. He starts to pray and he starts to intercede for his people, right? That's the word I want you to think of when you, when you read through this. I want you to think of intercessor, right? That's what Moses became for these people. Over and over again, we see that, that, that Moses would come before God and that he would fall before them and he said, God, remember your promise. God, remember what this looks like. God, please don't take this out on these people. They're being dumb right now. They don't understand, God. Don't take them out. Let me ask you a question. Who's a Moses in your life? Who do you have coming before God and asking him to do things for you? Who do you have who's, who's literally lifting you up? Who's literally saying, hey, I know right now you're struggling. I know that they're struggling, but God, they, they, they've got potential. God, don't, don't, don't back off on your promise. God, take care of them. That's what Moses was doing for these people. God had said, hey, I, I'm going to take them out. You're going to be the new face. Moses reminds him of his promise. Isn't it cool that Moses was able to talk with God face to face? Isn't it cool that they had a, a, a real friendship? And Moses is able to say, hey, this is it. 
God, you're holy, you're amazing, but God, I want you to remember what you've said, and I want you to remember your promises that you've done here. Picking up in verse 20, the Lord says this, I will pardon them as you have requested, but surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, none of these people will enter the land or enter that land. They've all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land that I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now turn around and don't go towards the land where the uh, Malachites, Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community that complains about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints and are... Um, I had heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complain against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older um, and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter or occupy the land I swore to you, or I swore to give to you. The exceptions of this will be Caleb and Joshua. Guys, as I was reading this and, and as we get ready to wrap up, you got to understand that, that God takes sin seriously. God takes disobedience seriously. And for these guys, there's a punishment that they have to take on. There's a punishment that, that is coming here that, that, that literally they're standing on the edge of being able to go into that promised land, being able to explore it, to be able to, to take of the goods that God's promised their ancestors a long time ago. But instead now, because of their actions, there's a punishment that's going to fall on all of them, except for two guys. Two guys who saw the land get to go back to the land. And even Moses, this great leader who we see God do so many miraculous things for, he doesn't get to go there. And God says, hey, listen, you're not going to be able to do it. Let's finish it off the chapter and we're done. When Moses reported to the Lord, or reported the Lord's words to all the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. Oh, sorry, I skipped a whole passage. I'm sorry. Let me roll with this. You said your children will be uh, carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness, and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithfulness. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you dies in the, uh, dies in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in the wilderness, and here they will die. 
the ten men Moses had sent to explore the lands, the ones who incited the rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the twelve who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. Man, do you see this? Do you see this consequence of what happened because these guys weren't willing to, to truly trust God, to really put their faith in them? It cost these ten guys death. But not only did it cause these 10 guys death, it, it said anybody who was 20 years or older was going to die here. And the punishment that was on them would also fall on their kids because their kids would have to wander around with them for 40 years. 40 years until they all died off. Absolutely craziness. Finishing the chapter out, says, When Moses reported the Lord's words to all the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. Then they got up early the next morning, and they went to the top of the range of the hills. Let's go, they said. We realize that we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the land the Lord has promised us. Do you see that? They're filled with grief. They're ready to go. Let's do it now. But God's already spoken. Moses says this in verse 41. Why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Do not go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amalekites and the Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. But the people defiantly pushed against are pushed ahead towards the hill country, even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant left their camp. The Malachites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Hormah. You see this? These guys, man, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. After everything they had saw, they were running still. After everything they had seen done in leaving Egypt, after seeing God do so many different things, they were still struggling. I think we're like that too, though. I think we've seen God do some really cool things in our lives. And I think here's the issue, is that, that, that sometimes we get so blinded by what the world tells us, what, what, our, what our emotions tell us, what our feelings tell us, that we want to trust our feelings more than we want to trust what God has to say. And God isn't about that. God's saying, no, 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 trust me. Keep your eyes right here. Focus in on me. You see, I, I titled this one The Wrong Perspective because realistically it was the Israelites listening to the wrong perspective here that cost them everything. Because they were willing to listen to, to their fears, because they were willing to listen to their emotions, because they were willing to listen to their choices, that, that, that it cost them their lives in the wilderness. It caused their, their kids to have to wander around in no man's land for 40 years. I have a simple question for you to, to finish up the day. What are you missing out on because you have the wrong perspective? What are you guys missing out on in life right now? What, what opportunities is God saying, hey, I'd, I'd love to see you do this. Hey, I'd love to see you take a step in faith and, 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 and really reach your school with my gospel. Hey, I'd love to see you actually go and like plant some wells where people don't have water so that you can share me with them. 
What are you missing out on because of your faith is lacking? Because you're so focused in on other things, on the distractions of this world, the things that you're not even aware of that are distracting you. Today, it's a simple challenge. Where's your perspective? What are you looking through? Are you looking through smudgy, dirty glasses? Are your eyes on God? Are you really focusing in on, hey, what is it that you want me to do with my life? How can I follow you? Guys, I don't want you to get to that edge of the promised land, that edge of whatever it is God's calling you to do with your life, and then just turn around because you didn't have the faith to chase after him. Let me pray over you, and we'll get out of here. God, today, I thank you for your word. I thank you for a chance to share it. I thank you for a chance to open it right here, God, and to explore it, to really see, God, just crazy, just exodus of the Israelites. Lord, help us see that, God, following you is exactly what we're called to do. Help us see, Lord, that we need to put the right people in our lives who speak the right things into us so that, God, we don't chase after the wrong things in our lives. God, help us not chase after our feelings. Help us not chase after our emotions. But, God, let us chase after your spirit. God, let us lean into that. Let us lean into the promises that, God, you give us. And so, Father, for the students in this room today, I pray that, Lord, they will be willing to be brave. That, God, they will be willing to be lights. That, God, they will be willing to take on, Lord, this culture that tells them, God, they shouldn't follow you. I pray that, Lord, today they will be willing to say, hey, I trust you, God. And I trust the things you say. So, Lord, show us what that looks like in our lives. Lord, I love you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.